What is Tio doing? He's pulling a Sharpie out of his sock. He's signing the ball. He's signing the ball and he's handing it to a fan. It's Excessive Celebration. All right, Excessive Celebration, the inaugural Sports Leaf podcast. I am Cody Ray John Oliver. When the mic is on, the rage is on. And I'm your co-host, the lazy-ass mastermind. They will call me L.A., but it has nothing to do with Los Angeles. No, it does not. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is our first podcast, so bear with us a little bit. We might be a little rusty. I don't know if you can be rusty at something you've never done before, but uh, what's the word? We're green. We're, we might be a little green. Um, but we've got a great slate here. We've done a little bit of preparation. Um, we've got some segments we're going to go through. We're going to test out what works and what doesn't. Um, hopefully, we can learn a little bit about sports. We can uh, learn a little bit about life. We can learn a little bit about editing. <laughs> there will be some of that. Cody, you ready to fire it off with a few uh, field laundry bullet points? Absolutely. Our first segment is going to be Field Laundry, a segment where each of us picks three topics and we rapid fire them off at each other. We, um, what did you, you only have two? We, do, we agreed on five. What, what? Why did I get three? So Because I you have three? three. That's why oh. you get to go first. Okay. Well, Field Laundry is a segment where we apparently do as many segments as we have. And uh, today it is five. Um, at each segment, we will uh, stop if we find it interesting and expound. If not, we'll just uh, we'll keep going. All right. Field Laundry. Um, I'm going to start us off here. All right, this last week on the news, um, Villanova coach Jay Wright announced his retirement after 21 seasons. Um, he's 60 years old, but he doesn't look it. When you look at the guy, he still looks like um, you know he's dropping his middle schoolers off um, at swim practice. Um, but apparently, he says he lost a little bit of his edge. Um, in 21 seasons, the guy uh, eight big, con- big East conferences, uh, Big East conference titles, made 16 March Madness tournaments, four Final Fours, and two uh, national championships. So that's a pretty good record. 642 total wins. 520, 197 record with Villanova. Mark, what's your take on that? You initially got a little upset at me when you first brought this up because I referred to you it said as... It was, you tell them what you I said, said it was. was. I said it was medium news. Medium news. I'm sorry. Uh, coach K just quit. Like, uh, that that matters. I'm okay. sorry. If you would have asked me who Villanova's coach was, and, and I follow college basketball. I'm not a diehard, but I, I definitely did not know Jay Wright's name. I find that absolutely hard to believe. Jay Wright, it. I made an analogy that I'll stand by. That it's like Mike Tomlin retiring. Retiring, like that would be big. That would be big news. I'm just letting you know. In my opinion, my world, that's medium well, news. The crazy thing is, is I think, uh, I think you're right. I think a lot of the American people that even consider themselves basketball fans who just watched Villanova make it to the Final Four uh, last month probably couldn't tell you Jay Wright's name. Eight Big East titles. Tell me three other teams in the Big East. Iowa. Medium news. <laughs> I was in the Big Ten. Ah, damn. They, you they, almost got away with it. Did they <laughs> did They just switched. Oh, so They're always changing. You got to throw the flag on that one, producer. Oh, he got me. All right, he got me. All right. Heck I yeah. All right, all right. So my, for uh, for my first bullet point here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go into the fact that uh, recently on a JetBlue airline, an extremely inebriated passenger made what I can probably uh, reasonably bet is going to be the worst decision of his life as he decides to belligerently pick a fight with 
who I probably still consider the baddest man in America, Iron Mike Tyson. Ooh. Is that not the definition of being excessively inebriated uh, when you decide to uh, challenge challenge a man who was who was multiple-time heavyweight champion of the world? Uh, you know, that, that, that should be in the it definition. Is, it is a crime to be... Drunk in public, right? Yeah. And uh, this is the definition. Like, if anybody can get charged with that crime. Did you see the video on this? Oh, yeah. You throw, you throw a water bottle on Tyson. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm anti violence, but, uh, but that's like, uh, how many times do you get to poke the dog before, like, it's no longer the dog's fault for biting you? I mean, we we're going to get to this a little bit later, but uh, I saw Tyson's hand speed in that video. I think he could probably still give Tyson Fury a run for his money. I'm just telling just you, d- dude got hit like four times and is bleeding from like three different spots on Question, his face. What do you think? What do you think hurt more the next day? The the aftermath of the 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 Tyson hits or the 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 hangover from the sheer amount of booze it took him to get to that level to get punched by Mike Tyson. I think it's the overarching sadness of knowing that you're only allowed to fly Frontier from here on out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman, yeah, Char- he's he's here. Yes. Charlie Blackman is here. Colorado Rockies outfielder Charlie Blackman made the news this week by signing a deal with MaximBet, a new online sports betting uh, site. Uh, Connor David of the NHL was the first North American active professional athlete. Well, that's a lot of clarifications there. To sign a deal with a uh, sports betting site, but the MLB, uh, through the lockout, the players managed to negotiate some leniency on things like that. And Blackman is the first active athlete in a major sport, unless you consider hockey still a major sport. Um, to- I'm sure the hockey players do. <laughs> so um, my question is to you, lazy-ass mastermind, now that Charlie Blackman has signed this deal, how long is it going to take before Pete Rose is in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> um, All right, let me set this up real quick, just so our listeners know. I just ambushed Mark. We did not set this up in the rundown. But Mark hates Pete Rose. He hates Pete Rose. So I ambushed him with this question. Let's see what he says. Um, when he says, I hate Pete Rose, I feel like that takes the edge off the word hate. I, I feel like uh, I I dislike Pete Rose the way Catholics dislike Satan. I uh, I dislike Pete Rose the way Charlie Sheen dislikes sobriety. Uh, I I, I uh, Pete Rose he just played for a really long time, and uh, I I refer back to Mickey Mantle. You know, uh, Mick would have Mick would have had to wear a dress if he spent his whole life hitting singles, <laughs> right. like like Charlie Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, I'm ready to uh I'm ready to bring up a little bit of somber news here. Uh Daryl LaMonica, known as the Mad Bomber of uh of fame for the uh, for the Raiders. He he passed away this week at 80 years old. Uh I heard about that. Yeah, he uh th- I talked to my uncle Chris. He's my he's my go-to for all things uh old manny football. But uh 1960 old man football. <laughs> Back in the day, when they played 14 games in a season, in 1967, the old boy went 13 and 1, 220 of 445 attempts, 3,228 yards. How Great many, career. How many, how many guys didn't throw for 3,228 yards this year? How many guys' last name rhymes with harmonica? Uh, solid, solid choice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, one uh, one MVP and first team All Pro that first year in 1967. Uh, 
loses Super Bowl two to a to a stacked Packer team. Um, proceeds to throw thirty four TDs in nineteen sixty nine, which which fun fact is still the record for most most passes thrown in a touchdown passes no. thrown in a single season by the Raiders. No way. Look it up. Look it up. If you're thinking Derek Carr has when thrown thirty four touchdowns, it's uh, Derek Carr has not thrown. Not 35 thir- touchdowns. Not throwing 35 touchdowns. Vinny Testaverde. Excuse me. Not Vinny Tester. Who, uh Rich Gannon. Excuse me. Rich Swing Gannon. And a miss. I was thinking about second chance quarterbacks. Got them all mixed up. Although, is Vinny Testaverde a second chance quarterback or is he like a 15th chance quarterback? I swear, like, somebody goes down for the Jets this year, like, Vinny might get a call. <laughs> uh, quick Google search. Derek Carr's highest passing touchdowns in a single game was four. Not the game. We're looking for a season, bro. No, I'm just saying, in, just in general. Oh. Fun facts. Four. Well, there you go. All right, for everybody listening, um, that was our producer. He's very helpful with uh, the wrong information with, with production. Went to leave the playoffs the, seven the, out of eight leave years. Leave the Googling to the Googlers, producer. Ooh, that leads me into my first dun, 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 trivia question for Cody. Oh, no. All right, Daryl LaMonica loses a playoff game, 1972, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Little play called The Immaculate Reception. Absolutely. Who caught The Immaculate Reception? Franco Harris. Okay, okay. We softballed it early. I want to <laughs> e- for, first one here, I want to ease in. All right, all right. You had me nervous. You don't you never know. Mark, the lazy ass mastermind sometimes will ask you uh questions about, you know, who hit the most triples in one inning and it's uh you know, it's uh, Sparky McGee's axe from uh, 1897. You know, he... Uh, Playing he, with a cricket flat bat. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who has the most home runs without wearing shoes? <laughs> <laughs> most shoeless home runs. Not Joe Jackson. Okay, but LaMonica. 80s, 80 is a... Uh, you know, he didn't die young. 80 is a tremendous But it, it is weird how sometimes, you know, you hear about... You know, guys, you know, people passing away in their 70s, 80s now, and you're like, oh, man, I thought he would have lived to be longer. But um, but a good life. He's still the Raiders' single-season touchdown. 53 years later? Yeah, 53 years later. Nobody's thrown 35 touchdown passes? Uh, sub-question, does that end this year? No. Ooh, so you don't think Derek Carr, with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and... Um, Darren Waller in that offense, you don't think he's going to throw 35 touchdowns this year? No, I don't. Ooh. Ooh. Just saying. Ooh. All right. Well, when we get to the AFC arms race segment, we'll have to uh, delve into your That's real life. There's going to be a lot, of chucking, on, a lot of chucking and ducking in that division. So in 2020 through 27, this is highest per season. 27 touchdowns. Now that I'm actually listening to what you guys are saying. How many, <laughs> how many, how many touchdown passes did Devontae Adams catch last year? 12. You think it's 12? I think it was like nine. I think it wasn't double digits. I think he fell off because he had a monster. It was 18. Yeah, yeah. Which is unsustainable. It's funny you bring that up because I have a trivia question for you. (gasps) Receiving touchdowns in the last 30 years since 1982, the lowest number that anyone has finished the season as the league leader in was nine in 1982. Second lowest was 11. So you're talking about someone who led the league in touchdown passes with 11 touchdown passes in the last 30 since years. Since 1982. In the last it wasn't in 1982. 30 years. In the, in the NFL passing era, which is why I chose 82. In the Jerry Rice era, basically. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Rice era of football. 
And obviously you don't have to answer right now if it doesn't come to you immediately. That's obscure. I'm going to throw a lot of answers at this as we go. That's all right. I'm going to give you uh, Wes Welker. No. Because that sounds like a you answer. Brandon, yeah. Brandon Stokely. Needs <laughs> white, guy, white guys that go did, over the middle. Did, Brandon Stokely did not lead the league in touchdowns I mean, ever. Anybody who catches I wish balls. he did, though. That'd be great. Uh, it says Mark- Devontae Adams set a historic 2021 season with 123 uh, receptions with 1,553 receiving yards. How many touchdowns? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going. We're working on it. All right, all right. We're all ironing this out. We're learning together. I know I won 50 Sterling, bucks. Sterling Sharp? Actually, I know he won 50. No, not Sterling Sharp. Good guess, though. Uh, I know that he had less than 12, because I think I won a $50 bet, because someone bet me he had at least 12. Mm. And I think you're right. Uh, it looks like he, he has eight. 18. Eight. No, that was 2020. That was 2020. Looking at 2021 numbers. That's what I'm looking for. He's looking. I think it's eight. Over the, 12 to, to lead the league with 12 touchdowns. 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdowns. 11. Since even, 82. Is it like worse. 83? Is this somebody I've heard of? Is this Art Monk? Oh, he still plays. Oh, he still it's plays. It's way more recent than you probably still would care to admit. plays. Deshaun Jackson. Nope. Deshaun never led the league in, t- in touchdowns. Uh, that It doesn't. Somebody leads the league with 11 touchdowns doesn't lead the league. <laughs> Saying, it was like, a down year. A lot of people got hurt. A lot of people. Got <laughs> oh, yeah, he, eleven touchdowns. Oh, he did break doubles. Wow, I almost lost that fifty dollar bet. Man, it'll happen. It'll but happen. I still won it. Was was it him last year with eleven? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Cooper Cup. Cooper killed it. Tri- triple crown. Whenever they, whenever somebody wins three of something, and they can just insert triple crown somewhere. Yeah. Like you let it, let the league in extra points, field goals, and uh, and kickoffs. Triple crown of kicking. I feel like someone should have blown the whistle on this segment a long time ago. All right, all right. Um, We'll keep that trivia question rolling through, but we do have one more field laundry to air out. And this is one that's super current, and it actually applies to two players um, in the NFL right now, uh, Debo Samuel and Kyler Murray. Debo Samuel demands a trade from the the Kyler Murrays. (laughs) Debo Samuel. (laughs) Cue, Cue the show me the money drop. Show me the money. Um, Debo Samuel demanded a trade from San Francisco last week, uh, and Kyler Murray has also been in conversations with the Arizona Cardinals about getting a deal done a little bit before the Cardinals front office seems to want to get it done. Both of these guys are currently paid. They're making decent money. Um, Kyler's on the end of his rookie contract, and um, Debo Samuel, same thing. Um, both of them are considered probably top five at their position, I would say. But Murray's Murray's next in line to get the big payday, or is Lamar get paid first? Um, Lamar is a year ahead of him. Mm -hmm. So Lamar is like, I think this is Lamar's fifth year option year. And everybody's smelling blood in the water after that uh, Deshaun Watson contract came through. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I know um, that actually came out right after that happened that the, the Raider or the Ravens owner made some comments about, I don't know if that's the type of person we want to be giving Max deals to because he's looking at Lamar Jackson. Like, how could you not give Lamar Jackson a better deal than Deshaun Watson? You know, he he hasn't been accused of anything. Well, and the players, the, the, you know, there's a, there's a brotherhood there. They all understand that they each have an obligation to continue to reset that Max contract well, that's level. Why, that's why so Tom that Brady Everybody was, down the road. That's why Tom Brady was hated for so long. And then... Um, in the past couple of years, you see everybody's just shocked at how much these QBs are making. That's a direct result of Tom Brady not taking um, 
you know, uh, team friendly deals. But Tom Brady also, you know, you, you see what happens when you're someone who could make that much money doesn't it allows mm-hmm. you to, to build a team mm-hmm. but anyways um the real question here about these guys uh with especially with debo is the the perception is is that they're greedy that they either want like in kyler's situation he's still under contract for another year before they even hit the fifth year option so um why why does he need a deal done right now um but i would like to bring up that in the course of pat mahomes's um career he got paid in june so basically like uh, six weeks from right now. So Kyler's not wanting to get paid years early like the media and some people are portraying. I mean, other star quarterbacks that, you know, when you're a, when you draft a star quarterback, sure, you have the fifth-year option, but you never want to actually have to exercise it. If, if they're good, you would never need it. And I think these guys know that. So I don't necessarily see Kyler Murray as greedy. I think he wants a team that's committed to him. And before you build up the rest of that championship caliber team, he wants to make sure that he's paid. Anytime you have to commoditize your body, when your body and its health are paramount to your capacity to make your living. And it, it and a quarterback in the NFL, you are one snap, one missed block away. Especially Kyler Murray from being and Debo Samuel. The two people we're talking about are small statured guys for the positions they play. And you you take that hit, and guess what? You're effectively worth nothing. So Absolutely. if you want me to be here, I need to know that my interests are going to be taken care of. I'm not going to put myself in a position to end my career. Why would I do that for somebody who's willing to pay me bargain basement fifth-year money and isn't sure that I'm going to make it again? Well, look at um, exactly what the MLB does for these for their superstars. We're not talking about anybody, but for the superstars, these uh, 13-year deals, the nine-year deals and stuff, um, they know that they are going to pay that player for the end of that contract to be bad or even not even play for them anymore. But you're you're locking them in for their prime, um, and uh, you know that's kind of how baseball looks at it. Football does not. Football looks short-term. How much can I pay you for how little – because I know you're going to break soon, and I don't want the B version of you after that next ACL surgery. You know? Which is why you see the, oh, four years, $140 million contract. Wow, that's incredible. How much of that is guaranteed? Uh, $60, 60. Million. <laughs> That's a two-year contract. Yep, we love yeah. that. Where's God bless baseball? They, uh, they discussed it. Uh, that's, oh, that's an entirely guaranteed contract. You get hit by a bus tomorrow. They're still going to pay you 13 years worth of money. I believe, uh, is it Robin Ventura uh, that's still on Mets payroll? You're talking about you're talking about uh, Bobby Bonilla. Oh, he's he's still on someone's payroll. Do the Mets the Bobby Bonilla Day every year the, when he gets like Mets? every There's year we celebrate else. Bobby Bonilla Day he gets like 1.2 million dollars like every when Bryce yeah. Harper is done with his contract after that 13 year deal is over the Mets will still pay Bobby Bonilla for the next two years. Yeah, but there's somebody else. I mean, well, I saw a meme about it. <laughs> um, we're, we're all great news is gleaned. Um, but either way, I think there's there's another guy because it was listing. It was like the whatever team's um, five highest pay- players in this year, and this guy is one of them, and he's been retired for a decade. Uh, well, I'm glad to see you did your homework to figure out what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, next time, uh, next episode, I'll, I'll out of the blue bring that up, and everybody will learn something. All right. Well, that was our field laundry segment, and um, we'll move on to the first segment of baseball. Well, I will. Uh, I'll cue in live right now. Actually, uh, the game just ended. Uh, we got to watch the Rays throw a combined no hitter, throw nine. 
Couldn't manage to get a couldn't manage to play to run. Uh, went to ten, blew the no no in ten. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, Cody, how do you feel about the ghost runner on second base? One of the many changes we've seen with uh, with recent years. I know the the collective bargaining agreement locked it in for at least another season. We get to see that that runner that starts on second base during extra innings. For those of you listening who are not familiar with the term ghost runner, is there a more hated rule in all of sports? Um, no tuck one, rule. Which one? Tuck rule. The Brady rule? Yeah. Okay. The Tom yeah. Brady tuck rule. Well, that one's just older. This one might take might might take it down. This rule is so whenever you change sports and you put new rules in or take away rules, uh, the fans generally hate it. Especially baseball. Especially baseball. The fans always hate it, and it's always it, it's the money side of it that wants games to be faster. Um, you know, and things like that. And even the players are on board because nobody's out here trying to have 15, 16 inning games. Right. You're, all your pitchers are smoked. Have you? It's 4.30 in the morning when the game's over and you've got to be to Toronto. At question. Noon. What's the longest game you've been to live? Like, uh, and did you stay till the end? 15 innings. 15? Yes. And I stayed to the end. And man, it is a bummer when they cut you off in the seventh inning. Oh, and you've it's got, and so you've got, bad. you've got eight innings of sober baseball. Half the conversation in extra inning baseball is about how they should reopen a concession like stand or that the beer guy should should still be out. But yeah, I think I'm at 13 innings and it's been twice and the Rockies lost both of them. So I've never seen an extra like well I've seen an extra inning win, but I've never seen the Rockies win like a you know, it's like one in the morning, you know? Oh, and you're just, <laughs> you why mean, am you I don't. watching this game? I know. And I you're, at, you're pot committed at that point, so you oh, just dude. keep digging the hole. And even, you know, you, it's it's even in July in Colorado, when it's one in the morning and you got there at six o'clock. It's and cold. you were Yeah, you were just wearing, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. Now it's all windy. And yeah, no, and you're just like, I'm going to stick it out. And you do. And, uh, you know, they like sacrifice, bunt someone home because everyone, just no one on the field even cares anymore. And uh, yeah, and then you you got the second baseman pitching. Yeah, (laughs) anyway, second second baseman, (laughs) the backup second baseman. But speaking of extra inning games, though, just what we just said is like you stay at extra inning games because you're committed, you know. And um, the the Ghost Runner really ruins a lot of that mysticism. If you're not a baseball fan, you probably just hate extra inning baseball because you probably don't really like regular baseball. Um, and I think they're trying to appeal, you know, they're trying to make it more exciting or, or, or they're trying to get the, the crossover viewers who are watching something else. And it's like, oh, the game went to extra innings. I'm going to watch it because something's going to happen really soon, you know, that regular rules don't allow for. But if you are a baseball fan, then you hate that. You hate that those guys worked for nine innings and now you're just going to give them a... It's a different you game. Know. You're playing yeah. a different game at that point. There's like, somebody on second automatically. There are no outs. Right. You're now you're now making the big decision. Do you want to bunt? Do you right. want to bunt right Do off the bat? Do you move the runner? I, mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you see something, at least in this shortened season, I've watched a lot of baseball already. Um, you see about 50% of the people just going ahead and laying down that bunt. Okay, now we got a guy who's going to come up and do his best job to hit a fly ball. He's yeah. going to try to hit it hard. He's going to try to hit it deep. Just hit a fly ball, plate the run. Right. And it it's a completely different style of game. The pitching is completely different style. And then you, you have, have to, to think- bring in somebody who's going to try to at least strike out the first guy he sees. And we've seen this, I mean, not as much as I'd like, but as you said, when you put a guy on first and the, you know, on the, the top of the 10th, they get that guy home. Well, it's pretty likely at the bottom of the 10th with a guy on second. 
the other team's going to do the exact same thing. You know, and I mean, it's playing. a completely different strategy. It's, it's like spring football. The Alabama spring football game was on today. And it was, uh, you know, they start, it's two 15-minute halves. They start with 21 points on the board, and they get one point for certain things, two points for certain things, and that's how they determine the score, which I'm sure they have a reason for doing that, but that's not football. And that's kind of what extra inning baseball is compared to um, the first nine. So looking at some of the stats from last season, it says when the visiting team bunted to start their inning, 22% of the time uh, they bunted, the home team when tied only bunted 31% of the time, and the home team when behind only bunted 13% of the time, according to stats from last season. The more you know. That said, uh, other other things we've seen change in baseball. We got to see the, the Shohei Otani rule. How do you feel about changing a rule for specifically one guy? This is the first thing I can think of since the Pat Vendit rule. Anybody remember Pat Vendit, the guy who could pitch with both hands? Not at the same time, like, mm. you know. But, uh, yeah, so you, they made it so that he had to declare which hand he wanted to pitch with so that they didn't have switch hitters just sitting there, like, bouncing from each side yeah, of the so plate. Yeah, so I didn't know about this. So basically change. they would get in the, the right-handed batter's box and he would put the ball in his in his right in hand. His right hand. So then they would switch they would over switch to the left over. side, and to prevent that 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 standoff from occurring, he would have to declare when the switch hitter was coming up which hand, and that's literally the Pat Vendit rule. Oh. Um, so we get we get the Shohei Otani rule this year. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, well, if you don't know who Shohei Otani is, I'm amazed that you found our podcast. But uh, they they made the rule so that if you you declare that your pitcher is your designated hitter, and you remove said pitcher from the game, say he goes four or five innings, gets roughed up. He's still allowed to stay in the game as the designated hitter, even though you've removed him from his slot as pitching. And as 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 the name would uh, would hint at, he's the only person right now that that affects the the Shohei Hotani rule. Yeah, there aren't too many other pitchers that are also start, starting games as, as hitting forty six home runs <laughs> in a season, yeah, leading the league. Well, I think so. I, I'm for the rule because he's a unique player. Uh, or I guess saying I'm for the rule isn't really <laughs> um, should he be allowed to stay in the game or should he have to leave when he's done pitching um, I'm I, I like that he can stay it, it's it's fun to watch it makes the yeah. game more fun to watch I understand it's a product I appreciate that aspect of it and the, what, are you, what are you really losing there the right fielder can't do it you can't have like a pinch hitter for the right fielder you know, but it's different. I mean, pitching has always been treated differently than any other defensive position on the on the diamond. So, um, I think I think all I think that it it would take the and this is selfish, but it would take the fun out of it if you if you only let him bat when he was pitching. You know, it, it would severely limit his usefulness, but it it would take the fun out of of him doing both. And I honestly, what would they choose for him to do? Um, he's probably a more valuable hitter than he is a pitcher to them you guys are national league guys yes how you feel about this universal dh are you just are you just chapped as all get out that you don't get to condescendingly condescendingly explain to somebody how they just don't get the intricacies of the double switch the nuances i mean i still get to do that because the last rockies game i went to they pulled a pulled off a double switch anyway (laughs) how do you double switch with a dh that's just excessive that's how you make a manager feel useful and needed I'm, I'm, they get to use that little phone a lot in there. As an American League guy, I've been pro DH my entire life. I love, if nothing else, I honestly love watching the dying career, 
Like guys that literally can't play the field anymore, but can still totally just hit. Oh, th- there's absolutely guys. Uh, you can't say Pujols because he's already he's pretty much crushed it. But um, but there's definitely guys with three thousand hits that got there because they played in the American League. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. David or did David Ortiz get three thousand? God, I hope not. I think he did. Big Fatty didn't get to three. Big Poppy. Big Fatty. Big Pop. Big Dominican lunch. What is that Russian? What even was that? Somebody help me out here. That was the that was like the worst accent I've heard in a very long time. Mister gets shot in a dark club because oh yeah, we thought he was somebody else. Uh, Big Poppy was just shy of twenty five hundred runs with twenty two thousand four hundred seventy two or hits. Sorry. Okay. Two thousand four hundred seventy two hits. I was gonna say if he scored two thousand four hundred seventy two runs, I was going to be blown away. That would that be the would that be the record? How many did Ricky Henderson have? Runs, runs scored by Ricky Henry. Well, he, I know he he holds the record. De- yeah, definitely. It's just over two thousand. Over two thousand. I think it's in the twos, which is in unholy eleven touchdowns. While we're thinking music here, eleven, 11 touchdowns, touchdowns to lead the league. All time record for runs scored is two thousand two hundred ninety five. Yeah, exactly. Yep. There not by not by Big Fatty. He also has the record for unintentional walks with two thousand one hundred twenty nine. Uh, also, with the record for what, Cody? Ricky Henderson. Ricky? Yeah. What else? What other major record does Ricky hold besides? Stolen bases? The one that'll never be broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, wait, what are, what are you asking me? But he doesn't hold the record for most stolen bases in a season, right? That I don't know. I think he doesn't. I, that I don't. I think you're right. Because I, I think. Isn't it like Vince Coleman? Something weird. It's something weird. Yeah. 11 touchdowns in a season. That's going to bug me. By a guy who still plays. A guy who still plays. Absolutely. Uh, most stolen bases in a season was Hugh Nickel with 138. Uh, was that like 1844? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Uh, let's, let's talk about modern era. It was right before they invented leather. Someone not named Hugh. <laughs> Someone who doesn't have a silent G in their name, please. Uh, there was no G in the name. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky did 130. Hugh Nickel is the only one who... Uh, who actually has him beat. So I was right, but okay. I was also wrong. Okay, so it was, it was Hugh Nichols. Techn- uh, technically in, right. In modern era baseball, Ricky. Ty Cobb set a single season mark of 96 stolen bases. That's modern era. And then it was only broken by Maury Willis in 1962 with 104. Maury Wills, Dodger Maury Oh, yeah, Wills. Wills. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, that actually is, uh, they talk about that in the Sandlot. Okay, fun fact trivia question, baseball. One team has three batters combined. For 10,000 hits. Only one franchise can actually say this. It relates to current events. The team's pretty easy to say. I want to know the players. Okay, so the question is one team has three players whose combined hits are over 10,000. Yes. That team. For that team. Just going with relevancy considering Miguel Cabrera just achieved 3,000 hits today. I'm going to say it's the Detroit Tigers. It is absolutely the Detroit Tigers. All right, all right, all right. I'm good there. Now you want to know the players. I already said one. Miguel Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Detroit Tigers with 3,000 hits. Um, one of them had 4,000. Yeah, I was going to say, one of them's going to be like a much older guy. Well, only two guys have 4,000 hits, and one of them's Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Pete Rose. Ty Cobb. Tyrus Raymond Cobb. That's a big problem for me is the like the old... Like the old guys, like the 1920s and 30s and before. I know who they are. I know a lot of their stats. I do not know what team they played for. Like it took me a second on on the tie. I was like, oh yeah, tie, nope, tie, tie. Yep, he had the D on the thing. But yeah, a lot of those when I look back, it's like Harmon Kilbrew. Like, who the fuck did he play for? I the, don't know. The other one's the opposite of acidic. That would be 
Mr. Al Kaline. <laughs> Al Kaline with 3,007 yeah, hits, ladies and gentlemen. I'm thinking of like acidic and basic like substances like going back to like middle school chemistry. Yes, and- Miguel Cabrera, Ty Cobb, and Al Kaline combined uh, for over 10,000 hits. All right, all right. I First would- Venezuelan guy ever to get 3,000 hits, which is cool. Al Kaline, that doesn't sound like <laughs> this fucking guy. Miggy, man, another one of the Marlins, another one of the could have How do you let that guy go? So Miggy is an important baseball guy to me because um, he came up when we were still practically kids. You know, I, I was a teenager, I think. Um, he's 39, isn't he? So he's been in the league for... Yeah, but he's only like five or six years older than us probably, but um, I guess I'm thinking of like the 99, like the Marlins. Um you know, that, that generation, I was very tuned into baseball and he was a young up and coming guy and it was, he was really fun to watch. And it, you know, I, I, even back then to watch greatness, you know, like you see, you see so much stuff. I'm a big Chipper Jones fan. And I remember when he was coming up, you know, I don't really remember, remember, cause I was little, but I just remember like loving Chipper Jones. I remember watching the Yankees put a dress on him when they smoked him in the world series that time. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, but Miguel Cabrera was just one of those guys that I just, you know, when I was 14 years old, I didn't really think, yeah, in like 20 years, I'll be talking about this guy still playing, you know, but, um, but it's just cool. It's cool that when he came into the league was probably right when I really, really, really started paying attention to not just like playing baseball and playing football and, you know, oh, I like the Broncos and stuff. But when I actually was like watching and understanding you know, that this guy was, was good and not just fun. Like he was something different, you know, they had TVs in Alaska. Uh, they did. I didn't have one, but I had a radio. <laughs> Somebody did. Yeah. So some people <laughs> it wasn't did. Me. was not my family. No. Uh, but I did My, my radio game was on point. Very cool. Hey, you want to talk to the microphone? Ooh, Ouch. you got told. Snap. Sorry. I'm new at this. All right. One of only seven people now, including Cabrera. So I need the six other people with 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Okay. I'm not going to get all five of them. Oh, there's six. Bad. You can you you should know this. You should know this. All right. Well, there, there's a couple that are easy. Like at least four of these are gimmies. Uh, Albert. Albert Pujols is on the list. Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard is not on the list. Ryan Howard didn't get to either one of those numbers. <laughs> Ryan Howard? Ryan Howard had like four productive seasons. How many of those um, non-alcoholic beers have you drank? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to be driven home? Um, well, uh, uh, give me some home run kings here, man. Who has 500 home runs? Did Beltray do it? No, Adrian Beltray did not do it. I'm he going got the 3, through 3,000 hit guys right there's now. <laughs> fi- there's 50-some 3,000 hit guys. There's like 15 guys um, that have 500 home runs. Let's go with Mickey. Mickey Mantle did not get to 3,000 hits. Damn, he, but he had 500 home runs. Only one of those guys on that list is a switch hitter, and he's the only switch hitter to do it. But I'm de- I'm detracting. I mean, I have the answer pulled up right here. So it's solid. It's solid. Too much trivia. Um, yeah, we got We we can do trivia. But uh, throughout the course of this, I will think of uh, 500 home run guys and and toss them at you. Willie Mays. Willie Mays there is on the list. That's two. Uh Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey did not do it. Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken did not. Rafael do it. Palmero. Rafael Palmero did do it. One of my favorite childhood players. Drugs. <laughs> Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire did not get of there. Of course he didn't. Drugs. <laughs> All right. So, baseball. We have Marvin Harrison? Not Marvin. No, Marvin was way better than this guy. I'm, no, I'm just saying 11 t- 11 touchdowns here. I know, I know. It's going to bug me. It is going to bug you. 
but yeah, we were. There's a lot that happened in baseball uh, since the Atlanta Braves won the World Series last year. Um, a couple weeks after that, the lockout started, and uh, basically, the owners decided that. Um, Rather than have any dealings with the players happen while they worked out the new CBA, they just wanted to uh, lock them out. And that effectively, it was kind of like a move to put their foot down and, you know, show the players that they mean business because the players are really pushing for a lot of really big changes uh, that owners were obviously uh, not very down for. It. Some of those big changes really came about because of um, the new TV contracts and the uh, just everything that's inflation um the teams are making more money than ever the teams were really pushing hard to um expand the playoffs and when they ne negotiated those cable tv contracts for all those extra games they just got billions of extra dollars and the players understandably wanted a little piece of that pie and one of the main contentions the players uh had was they were they're in addition to getting more money, they wanted more control over their futures. Um, teams were able to keep rookie uh, young prospects and players under their control, either the minors or the majors, and just kind of jockey that around so that that player could spend his entire prime uh, in an organization not being utilized. And then by the time he was you know old and past the time where he could get a real good contract, then they'd let him go. So the players are fighting to end a lot of that stuff Um let players enter arbitration earlier. They were trying to get uh, bonus pools with money in them to um, to help uh, basically get young players more money. And um, the one thing they, even though it was very drug out, and I for one was extremely critical of the players' um, association. I thought they were doing a horrible job. They kept rejecting mediation, things that. I felt would at least have gotten them some headway in areas they weren't getting any headway in. Um, but I had to eat my words a little bit at the end because the deal that they managed to get done, um, they got the arbitration moved up. They got the bonus player pool set up, even though it's much smaller and applies to less players than they wanted. Um, they really, uh, it didn't exist before. So even just getting a bunch of billionaires to, you know, to pry their fingers open to get a couple concessions like that started um it, it, that was a win for them and it paves the way to really get what they want in future cbas so money money which is money but the um, owners have a lot of it the players want some of it the owners think they already get too much they do they had a pissing contest about it the players got more not as much as they wanted but enough to play ball but they enough. got bigger bases though the they bases are bigger in the minors <laughs> half an inch bigger they are the devil's half inch wouldn't we all like to be a half inch bigger half inch bigger <laughs> wouldn't we all? um but yeah so on the on the player side they did you know they didn't get everything they wanted they didn't get close to what they wanted but they but they got enough to it not be a complete failure spring training started a little bit late the season started about a week late in some places, um, 162 games is happening. That's the yeah. most critical thing here. We're not going to see done. some Frankenstein numbers of, hey, remember that? Well, like already we're already talking about, well, that was the COVID season. Oh, absolutely. The Dodgers didn't win the World Series. DJ got his batting title in the American League, hit like 370 something. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, that's like, 74. Like 80, that's like 80 games, dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like, go back and go back and look who has the best batting average through 70 games. There are guys who hit 400. Well, George Brett hit like 390 through the whole season. At one point, he was hitting like 415. He didn't. It was obscene. 
What do you mean he didn't? Look it up. We did. We just went over this. I just asked you that question about the highest batting averages. Tony Gwynn did like close to ridiculous. 380, 390s. And uh, and the other one was the guy in the picture with him with all the bats. Lou Brock, wasn't it? Rod. Rod. <laughs> Rod. Rod Carew. Still plays. Is it that guy for Detroit? It was the guy for Detroit. You're giving it me the look. Like, no, You're giving me the look. Yeah, God, I no, keep thinking. I keep right. thinking. I keep thinking. Oh God! All I can only think of is Amon Ramon Ross St. Brown. Anymore. No, he got paid to go somewhere else. Galladay. Galladay did it. You That's insane. It. That's insane. All right, and for uh, your prize, you win another beer. Another beer. You have to go get it though. I am going to go get it right now. <laughs> I need you to go ahead and chalk up how you're going to uh, how you're going to set up this mock draft, which we're prepared to do, which I'm super excited about. All right. Although I have to caveat, I think I've done about four hours of draft prep, and you've probably done four hours of draft prep today. I've been doing draft prep the whole time we've been doing this podcast. (laughs) All righty. Now we're going to bring you a segment we've been working on, which we're going to uh, tentatively title Beyond Sports. As we know, uh, sports is a big part of our world, but more importantly, the world is a big part of sports. And I'd like to lead off by talking about... uh, what this, you got? this week, Wimbledon announced that they're they're going to be banning all uh, all Russian and uh, help me out here Bel- Belarusian. What are you if you're from Belarusian? Belarus? Yeah, Belarusian. I think Belarusian players, um, which I know it in- includes I think it's actually Belarusian. I mean, I'd buy that if you told me that it's Belarusian. I mean, you're you're losing several top ten players on both the male and female sides, and it brings into question like obviously. No one is uh, no one is a super big fan of of what's going on in Ukraine right now as the, as as troops are invading. Uh, how much of a role do uh, do sports players, tennis players, actually uh, play in in this in, conflict? In this conflict, and are you really are you are you punishing I, someone for for absolutely uh, for reasons that make any sense? Right, because there is the perception, you know, much like the Olympics and stuff like that, you know, that we're you know the these types of sporting events transcend world events they bring the world together and um there's also a sense that athletes in this particular situation some of whom don't even reside in the country that they're from anymore but you're still banning them does that country's actions represent how that person feels um but i think we can't ignore with the current climate um you can't ignore what's going on you know i mean it's it's obviously they're in such a tough position because a a lot of the athletes due to the political circumstances, are afraid to speak out if they disagree with the, what's going on They're in not Ukraine. in a position to do so. And I think that's what the, the world is seeing. You know, it's easy to sit in a free country and say, well, why isn't that guy say, you know, why doesn't he denounce what Putin's doing? Because those people disappear. <laughs> yeah, that's a very real thing. So, um, yeah, it might be unfair to the individual athletes, um, but they are from that country, and that is the state of the world. So it's kind of like... You know, guilty by association. You know, is that fair? I don't know. But is it fair that Ukraine is being invaded? Uh, a person who was actually very outspoken in this decision, which I, I found very telling, uh, Novak Djokovic, who is Serbian, who grew up with Russians invading his country in, in a giant, so you, war, in a war-torn area. Someone you'd think who has a, a qualified opinion, at least. Exactly. And he's he's out there saying, well, how... In, how do you feel like these people have anything to do with, with the politics and what's going on and to punish these people who have worked so hard to attain this position simply because, and in some cases they don't even reside in said countries anymore. 
but are still being banned. Yeah, exactly. Um, but are they? Let me ask you this: Is uh, how much of Djokovic's opinion has to do with the fact that um, he's COVID banned? That he's COVID banned? No, that um, one of the top male tennis players is Russian. So I wonder if Medvedev. Yeah, I wonder if he's he's thinking about uh, his legacy a little bit there because those two have had had quite the matchups, and he might be worried a little bit about not so much ratings, but more about. You know how we were just talking about asterisk seasons, like the COVID season and this season. Well, this is going to be the asterisk Wimbledon. You know, if, if um, you know, whoever wins, it's like, well, he didn't have to play any Russians. And I think from an athlete standpoint. Well, he's not going to play at Wimbledon anyway. Oh, he, he's not? No, he's COVID banned. Oh, you just said that. Yeah, he's not going to play at Wimbledon. <laughs> Damn it, you just said that. Anyways, um, but that doesn't change my, my point, though, of from an athlete standpoint, the change in competition level, like the adding an asterisk to it. It's like, well, yeah, you, you didn't have to play the best guys, you know. But I think when you when you get to certain levels of politics and conflicts, that does transcend sports in a negative way instead of a positive one. But yeah, Medvedev, he, uh, he actually slid into the number one slot. That was Djokovic's as uh, Djokovic was ah. unable to play in the Australian Open. You've got a uh, Sabalenka, the female who actually reached the semifinals in last year's Wimbledon, who's right. banned. Right. Um, let me see. I'm flipping through the list here. But I mean, uh, just, Russian world just number right fifteen. There. Just right there, you listed female is out. Number one ranked men men's player and a woman's player who was. Uh. 18th ranked yeah. Victoria Azarenka is banned. She's lived in the United States since she was a teenager, but she was born in Belarus. So she ah. will be banned from the event. And just things like that. Like, wow, 15, or not 15, 10 years ago, you lived in a country that's currently invading another country. Right. And it makes you wonder, you know, like, uh, how about the countries that profiteer off of, uh, like, Muslim slave labor? <laughs> You know, right? We we still let them play. Well, look at all the World Cups and uh, um, the Syrians. You know, they were basically forcing them to play at gunpoint. <laughs> and it's it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting time for them to decide to take a stand, and in a very interesting way. And of course, they're like an independent club; they can do whatever right. they want to do. There's no absolutely legal action here. This is this is Wimbledon um, doing their part in their minds. You know. Only players are banned, too, so coaches, umpires, and physiotherapists can still be involved. Well, so it's definitely more of a political statement. I mean, it's an interesting time to, to make a point. And like I said, nobody here is pro-war. Nobody's excited no, about no, what, not uh, at all. what's going on in Ukraine. But Well, and you bring up an interesting point. You know, the fact that someone who was born there but didn't really grow up there is also banned. They just kind of blanket banned it, you know. So... Um, was that the right thing to do? I I don't know. Is there a right or wrong? Like, would it would there be more backlash if they let the Russians play? Because I kind of feel like they would be just the same. You know, I don't know if Wimbledon is getting backlash right now for banning the Russians, but there is probably the feel of our conversation is the feel of everybody's. You know, it's just like ah, it sounds right, but it feels wrong. You know, it's a uh, it's a weird it's a weird situation. Moving on, we'll talk about how uh, MLB was a unable to come up with a kind of a solution for the fact that if you're going to enter Canada, you have to be COVID vaccinated. I'm not going to speak specifically on anybody's COVID vaccination status or their opinion concerning that, but 
only only the fact only the fact that uh, Toronto, when playing home games, will virtually never have to play a full squad. Right. Every team's got a few players that have chosen to remain unvaccinated for their own reasons. Right. And as a result, they're going to get to play, you know, 81 games. And, uh, I mean, you watch a lot of MLB games, man. Every one of those players matters. You go play a three-game series, and you're down a reliever or two. You know, you're down a position player. I know Yeah. watching the New York Yankees carry three position players on the bench right now because they're carrying 16 pitchers. Yeah. So you lose you lose even one of those guys. It's, well, this, it's an advantage. It's uh, and for Toronto, it's such a specific advantage for them and their division because if you can do well in your division in baseball, you make the playoffs. You, you make the playoffs, and you know that's any sport, but baseball especially. You play so many games against your division. Nineteen. Yeah. So um, when those teams aren't allowed to play you at home with a full squad, you just have a built-in advantage. And um, even if it's a small one, I think, um, you know, I think that, that it definitely had something to do with the Vegas odds makers putting such good odds on Toronto mm-hmm. making the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's huge. And the fact that it's – that that's beyond sports. That's a country that made a rule, and the sports are – kind of forced to go along with it if they want to play sports. And I think we're at a stage of COVID um, awareness and dealing with it and the lockdowns and all of that kind of stuff um, where we're past that point of questioning. It's like, okay, Toronto's doing that. And that's just how it is. And, you know, New York's going to have to deal with it and Boston's going to have to deal with it. And, it just is what it is. Will it change? I don't know. Will Canada ever allow unvaccinated people in Canada? Ever? Who we, knows? We don't know. So is this just a reality forever for sports, baseball, and hockey, I guess? Only time will tell. All right, last call. Seven players. You've named Cabrera. You've named Pujols. You've named Willie Mays. I need four more guys. Oh, and Rafael Palmero. I got Rafael. You got three more guys. Uh, George Brett. No. Damn. No 500 homers for George Brett. Okay. Um, 500 homers. I don't know why I'm blanking like all my 500 homer guys. Did I say Ryan Howard? Yes, Ryan Howard's a terrible <laughs> answer. Um, all right. Um, did I say Nelson? Like Jordy? No, Nelson Cruz. I know. No, Nelson Cruz isn't even close to he, either one of those. No. Okay. Okay. You're, you're missing Henry Aaron. Okay. Hank Aaron, obviously, is on that list. Oh, yep, he would be. Um, Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod. Had had both of those. And the only switch hitter on the list, uh, Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray, like, never led the league in home runs and somehow ended up with over 500 of them. 504. Mm Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. And 3,000 hits as a switch hitter. Yep. Tremendous player for a lot of years. And obviously Miguel Cabrera. And then Miggy. As of today. Against uh, against your Rockies. Against the Rockies. Interesting thing about the Rockies. The Rockies have given up or have been the team that allowed four 3,000th hit batters uh, get their 3,000th hit. Uh, since, since they're a fairly new franchise, um, it's pretty interesting because that means that they have given – they've been on the receiving end of 12% of all 3,000 hits 
in history, and 24% of them since the Rockies' inception in the, the early 90s. Uh, can you name the four players that the Rock that got their 3,000th hit against the Colorado Rockies, other than Miguel Carrera, of course? They've got to be National League guys. Was it Pujols? No, yeah. he would have been in Anaheim when he did it, didn't he? Yep. Mm. It was not Pujols. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm uh, trying to think of teams that, that had guys that have done it. Did Suzuki do it when he was a Marlin? He did. The only guy to do it with a triple. Of all the 3,000 hit club, the only one who had a triple. First 3,000th hit was Ichiro Suzuki. Was Ichiro got the, the triple? Mm-hmm. A man who has an argument for, for greatest hitter. Imagine if he'd had his whole career in the majors. Craig Biggio? Biggio's t- another one. One of the guys that did it with a home run. Biggio actually had a had a shot at it and then tried to leg out a double instead of a single on his 3,000th hit and got gunned. No way. Yeah, so he... Uh, so he had to hit his 3,000th hit twice. twice. Wow. Because he didn't get it. Well, there's a nice little trivia tidbit for you right there. Yeah, for the 3,000th hit club. All right, then, there's uh, one other guy. Tony Gwynn? Nope, not Tony. His name starts with an R. His first name or his last name? First name. His first name starts with Reggie. His first name is Reggie. I have no idea. I think it's Reggie. It's Ricky. It's Ricky Henderson. There we go. That makes sense. Oh, my God. Ricky Henderson was a Padre. That's a horrible answer. Reggie Henderson. I was thinking of his brother, Reggie. Reginald Henderson, the first. Yep, it was in uh, 2001 against John Thompson. There's There's a stud pitcher for you. Two minutes. What have you still got in you? Get it out of you. Well, this was our first podcast. Wasn't without its uh, bumps and bruises, of course. I'm bruised. I'm a little bruised. Um, but no, we had a great little run here. We went over the NFL draft. There's a lot to uh, a lot to unpack there, and 99% of what we talked about um, is going to be completely different on draft night because we are unfortunately not smarter NFL, than those guys, uh, and they don't know yeah. enough to make the right decisions. <laughs> or that, yes, yeah, they're just not as smart as us. They just aren't. Um, but yeah, we've got a big week coming up with, uh, the NFL draft. Of course, we got baseball rolling. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. It's a good time to be a sports fan. Um, sports leaf, sports leaf dot the sports uh, online, follow us on, um, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we try to do all of our updates on that stuff, but, uh, we got a couple articles coming out uh, that I'd like to plug real quick. The main one is our soul of the game series, which is starting up. Um, we're going to be profiling a couple of players across sports, um, a little bit lesser known guys, but, um, ones that we need to be paying attention to. The first one we're doing is, uh, this, the upstart Rockies hero of the beginning of the season, Connor Joe playing a lot of first base. Yeah. Playing a lot of first base also plays outfield. outfield. Yep. Yeah, definitely a utility guy. Definitely DHing when he's not in the field. The DH thing, that's something we, uh, we'll address in the series, but the DH is huge for players like Connor Joe, um, giving a lot of opportunity f- to, um, to instead of playing twice a week, these guys are going to be playing five times a week and actually, um, you know, w- when they're hitting 380, <laughs> it's hard not, to keep them out of the lineup. Yeah, it's it's not because they've only, you know, been at, had four at-bats this month. So um, <laughs> Connor Joe, though, Starts off the spring training. He hit over 400, jumped right into the regular season, hitting home runs, getting on base, driving in runs, and um, 
And yes, we're going to start a little Soul of the Game series about him, not just because he's performing well, but a couple of years ago, Connor Joe survived cancer and um, managed to work his way back up through the giant system. And uh, through working his way up through the giant system, he caught the Rockies' eye. Rockies brought him in. Easy guy to root and he's for, paying man. Dues. Easy guy to root. The Soul for. of the Game series. We're looking for guys across all sports, guys and girls, of course, across all sports. That um, there's a little more to the story than just what you see on the stat sheet, and we want to profile those people and kind of follow them. You know, I mean, it's awesome that he survived cancer and worked his way back. But now let's see what he can really do with that second chance he was given. And um, yeah, so keep a lookout for that. That's going to be dropping this week, and we're just going to be glued to draft coverage. What about you, Mark? What are you thinking? You know. I've got a little side note commentary here. Uh, I have a small child. She's wonderful. I've uh, I've had the opportunity to watch her play in the knockdown dragout five and six year old soccer league. Oh, competitive. We uh we lead the league in fun and and not much else. It's it's a tremendous exercise for me to not immediately turn into my father and start yelling and screaming quite loudly. I'm reminded, actually, believe it or not, to when I I tried to learn how to play. Uh, how to play FIFA. Back then, it would have been an, an, an Xbox console. Uh, the video game FIFA. Gotcha. The video game FIFA. Yes, for those of you who, who don't know FIFA, it's the exact same video game that they come out with every single year. The, 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 the jerseys change. Uh, some of the names change. Some of the stats change. But it's, it's the exact same soccer game. And, and, and I'm, remi- I'm reminded of, of making a pass to make a pass to make a pass and then realize that I don't know what any other buttons to push, so I, I continue to pass the ball. That, that's watching the little kids. Oh, they stole it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Great effort, guys. Great effort. FIFA is one of the hardest sports video games, just period. Why are you kicking the ball so hard? Me to my five-year-old and also me to myself in my 20s when I was trying to score a goal on FIFA. When you mash. Oh, well, I guess you played on Xbox. to say when you mash circle instead of tap it. Just like pew, 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 looking at your buddy who clearly knows exactly what he's doing. So you feel like an extra idiot. It's like, <laughs> just watch. Just watch your teammate. Just do what they do. How can you not dribble through the cones? Your coach just showed you how to do it. But no, it's been an excellent exercise in patience for me. And uh, go Blues. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm going to say last call on Big East Conference. Last call. Oh, Big East teams. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. How about uh, did Cincinnati make the Big East? Was Cincinnati not a Big East team? So in Connecticut, in alphabetical order. Give me UConn. I'm not in alphabetical order. UConn? Did UConn I'm make the I'm giving you the one. We have Butler University, University of Connecticut, Crichton University, Crichton. DePaul University, DePaul. Georgetown University, Marquette, Georgetown. Providence College, St. John's University, Seton Hall University, Seton Villanova, Hall. and Xavier. See, this, this is why... This is why they won the Big East eight times. Yeah, yeah. This is why no one knows who Jay Wright is. Dominating Seton Hall. <laughs> really make, <laughs> making DePaul look stupid. So can we just say that the Big East is not a football school? Medium news. Medium <laughs> news. All right, on that note, um, we will be putting out Sports Leaf podcasts routinely throughout the summer. Keep an eye out for fantasy stuff. We got all sorts of stuff coming up. And we'll also be excited for... The inaugural season of our local No Co Owls, the minor league baseball. <laughs> yes, if we're lucky, Charlie Blackman will uh, make an appearance. But anyway, guys, thanks for checking in with us, and uh, we look forward to doing more of these. We look forward to tightening it up. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.